So we'll go ahead and begin. And uh, hopefully that's fine with everybody who, <laughs> who's, who's still migrating to wherever it is that they're going to be for tonight. So hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to week two of our lesson on Jonah. Um, I, was, I was asked, what's the title? And I was like, oh, man, that title. Maybe I should have said, you know, week two instead of. But anyway, you know, on the spot, I said, um, well, Jonah's prayer, but we still have to finish chapter one. <laughs> so anyhow, um, we'll go ahead and get into that. I, I had uh, shared something with Pastor, uh, a little video from, uh, from the never-ending story when <clears throat> one of the characters goes to this ancient one uh, who, who's basically been hanging out for thousands of years all by himself so long that he starts talking to himself, you know, and so he, he speaks in the royal we, you know, oh, we haven't seen, we haven't talked to anybody. And uh, I told pastor, you know, I'm, I'm going to be referring to lesson one, and I don't want to be like this guy, you know. <laughs> uh, so we talked about, you know, did, did we talk? <laughs> I mean, there was only one person talking. It was me up here running my mouth. But at the same time, that feels kind of, uh, you know, puffy to go, to go, well, I taught you guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, last thing I want to do is uh, cite myself as if I'm some sort of a, an authority. But anyway, just want to go ahead and do a recap, brief recap of some of the points from last week. We <laughs> learned that Jonah is a real person in the history uh, Jonah was a real person in history, okay? Uh, he, he was a real character. He was a real prophet of the Lord. He had a real ministry on this earth, and he was a real prophet who was used by God to deliver the word of God to the people of God that were astray during his lifetime. Jonah's story was written for all generations. The, the story that he carried, the message that he carried, was for the Ninevites, Okay? But the story about the circumstances of him running from God and going through his whole ordeal, God getting a hold of him and redirecting his path to go to Nineveh, that story is written for us and for any generation from way back then until the end of time. Um, that story is written for all of us. God, another thing that we learned, God redirected Jonah by commanding him to carry a message to Nineveh. So Jonah had a mission as uh, as a prophet to the people of Israel, and God redirected him and said, okay, I want you to now leave Israel and go to Nineveh, that great city. Um, number five, Jonah preferred to quit ministry outright. He just quit outright and run away from God rather than preaching to the Ninevites. God wants all people to be redeemed. That's uh, number six, another thing that we learned last week. God wants all people to be redeemed, even in the Old Testament. Okay? So a lot of times you'll read the Old Testament and you'll get the impression that God is only favoring his chosen people, the apple of his eye, the nation of Israel, right? the descendants of Abraham. But um, that is not the case, although it seems like that. Remember that God wanted to use them to reach all nations. God wanted to use them. It would be through the seed of David. It would be through the seed of Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed. He's always wanted all nations of the world to be blessed. Um, another thing that we talked about was the possible reason for Jonah not wanting the people of Nineveh hear, to hear the message. Um, there, there's been lots of speculation, and I didn't want to use a lot of time that, that I had last week to talk about all the different things that people have said. Okay, uh, one, one of the things that is the most logical is basically uh, he wanted the Ninevites to be punished for, their, for the way they, they mistreated Israel and the way they mistreated everybody. I mean, just what a wicked people they were. He wanted them to be punished. Um, and then the final point, that we learned last week was, to our great shame, the same unforgiveness that Jonah displayed is something that we're guilty of too, okay? Um, so anyhow, 
getting past that, we're going to finish Jonah chapter 1, and then we will get into Jonah chapter 2, which is his prayer while he was in the belly of the fish. Okay, so let's read uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, as we continue our lesson on uh, this book. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we want to ask that you'll be with us tonight. Every single one of us in here needs your Holy Spirit from uh, the pulpit to the pew. The guy who's filling the pulpit tonight is... uh, unqualified to be up here. Uh, and, and so I ask that you'll be with me and for every one of us that uh, enjoys your grace, we're unqualified to be recipients of your mercy. And so help us to, to understand the story of Jonah and how it applies to our lives. Help us to understand it and apply it and be with all the different classes that are taking place tonight. Thank you so much that uh, we now have a, a Spanish class, a large enough um, group of, of our Spanish speakers who are here tonight, that we're able to have a class um, for them as well. I ask that you'll be with all the classes and, and all of your people throughout the property that will all draw closer to you as a result of these classes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so um, that was um, verses 1 and 2. We're not going to go over all of what we covered last week. That, that, that recap is the best I can do for you with the time that we have. So... Um, Anybody who wasn't here, it was recorded, and you're able to go back and listen to it. Uh, my wife told me about a couple of mistakes that I made. Um, these are verbal typos, okay? So people, people make typos in, in, you know, when they're sending text messages or whatever. And sometimes we make typos when we're talking, don't we? Uh, I, I, I said that uh, Jonah loved uh, the people of Nineveh so much that he sent Jonah. Well, obviously, I meant to say God. God loved the people. Uh, I, 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 I also refer to the people of Nineveh as the people of Jonah. Uh, and so when she told me that, yeah, you had said something and, and it didn't sound right, I just wanted to, to you know, huh? Well, okay, so you understood what I, what, what I meant, right? And so, so anyhow, what I'm trying to get at there, Heckler, is uh, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that as I went back and listened to it, to see what my mistake was, I, w- I was like, oh, my goodness, I talk that slow? These poor people. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, when, when, I, back and, when I went back and listened to it, I increased the playback speed to, like, 1.75. I'm sorry, you guys. I, I, I try to be careful with my words, and it's become such a habit that I, I speak slowly, even, even in a setting like this. So, I'm sorry. But anyway... God told Jonah, arise, go. So that makes it very clear, very clear that this is different, all right? From from many of the prophets, this is a very different scenario, okay? God isn't telling somebody, hey, write down this message and deliver it, you know? God is telling him, I want you personally to carry the message. Arise and go. Get up and go. And that call carries into our generation today, all right? That command has been repeated to all believers today, all right? Go. Go ye therefore, right? And uh, pastor told us that when Brother Mears gets here, he's going to talk about that, the, the need for global evangelism uh, to go, whether we're personally going or we're supporting somebody who, in their effort to go. Um, and then in our own experience, we're supposed to go. We're supposed to deliver the message. I'm going to tell you, this is controversial. As a Baptist, what I'm about to say, I ask that you'll give me grace. The method that you use to go, the method that you use to carry the message of God is not spelled out for us in the Bible, all right? It's not spelled out for us in the Bible, but the mandate to go is still effective for our time today, all right? So however you choose to exercise that, that command of God on your life is effective for you, all right, that you are to go. How are you going to do that? Some people do it by door-to-door soul winning. Some people do it in their workplace, talking to everybody that they encounter. They deliberately make an effort to, to meet new people. I don't know if you guys remember Mrs. Corpus, one of our saints who's gone on to be with the Lord, 
But when she was here, I mean, that, that lady took tracks everywhere. <laughs> she, she would go and stand in the middle of the mall where you're not supposed to distribute leaflets, and she would distribute them. You know, and, and mall security wasn't about to go kick this old lady out, you know, so, so she was allowed to keep on doing it. Okay, what, whatever your situation is, whatever God can do in your life for you to carry out that command to go, it's an effective command for today, all right? So, again, like I, I know that we've been taught in all of our experiences. Uh, for some of us, we've been, been Baptists for a long time, and we've been told that this is the method that you're supposed to do it. Um, all I'm saying is the command is there. The method isn't necessarily there, all right? But the message is of an urgent nature. It's so urgent that you need to go and preach it. There's no time to wait for it to be written down and then carried by somebody, okay? You, prophet, you need to leave my people, my chosen people, you need to leave them and go here to this wicked people and deliver the message to them, all right? And that's what we're supposed to be doing today. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So you already know from, from reading the story that Jonah disobeyed God. He didn't want to go. And so God got Jonah's attention. Jonah disobeyed, and the consequences of his disobedience affected the people around him. Okay? His disobedience affected the people around him. And uh, the Bible's full of examples of people who sinned, and the people around them got hurt because of their sin. Now, I think that for those, and for those of us who've been around for a while, we can automatically think of, think of a couple of good examples right now. One of them would be Achan after the battle of Ai, right? Uh, He's he's a real good example of somebody whose sin affected the people. There was sin in the camp, and people died because of his sin. We can think about David numbering the people and the consequence on the nation. I mean, the whole country paid for it, you know? The the whole country paid for it, and that's a big deal. And when we continue, when we're done with Jonah and we get into Amos, we're going to take a look at something similar to that. David's sin affected the nation, and we're going to see in the book of Amos that national sin continued. David was a good man. David was a man after God's own heart, and he made that mistake. And we're going to see how bad it can get when the people aren't good. But anyway, innocent bystanders can get hurt if we're harboring sin. Okay, and we need to make sure that we walk a life in obedience to God. Um, I'm not a fan of using fear to manipulate people into obedience. However, fear is a good motivator. All right? Fear is a real good motivator. And when you take a look at God's awesome power and the things that he has done throughout history, uh, not just in what the Bible records for us, but in personal testimonies of Christians that we know, people who got spanked by God, maybe our own experiences with rebellion and and how God dealt with us. Uh, We know, we know that God deals with people uh, sometimes sometimes very swiftly and severely, sometimes he's long-suffering, all right? But anyway, if we'd like to protect our loved ones, then we ought to do our best to live a life where we're walking in the Spirit, that way we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, so that way we won't reap the punishment of that life, of those choices. Uh, Then Jonah chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, moving along. Wherefore they, this is talking about the sailors, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. So these sailors were introduced to God in this storm, right? These were pagans. They're like, hey, pray to whatever God it is that you follow. And he tells them what God it is that he follows. And they see the great power of the God that he follows. And uh, if you guys paid attention, if, um, if you're using a, a King James Version, in verse 14, it says, O Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In reverence, the translators of the King James chose not to, tra- not to use the word Yahweh. You know, they, choose to, they, they chose to... Translate that as Lord. So that, that's the transliteration that we have in our modern English. In our Bibles, we see uh, the proper name of God 
uh, in print as capitalized L-O-R-D. And that's the name that they used when they called out to God. These pagans who never knew him before are now calling out to him by name. Okay. Uh, they met him by introduction of the storm uh, through Jonah's personal testimony and what he told about him. Seeing what great power that, that God had. And they said, wow, this is an almighty God. You are the God. And they called him by name. And you'll notice that as Jonah is getting cast into the sea, he gets to witness these pagans receive uh, God's mercy. They're introduced to him. They're calling to him by name. Uh, they're asking him, to, to, hey, God, uh, f- don't, don't hold it against us. Please forgive us for what we're about to do. You know, don't, don't hold it against us. And, and you know, he's, he's like, man, you know, the, the mercy that I knew God was going to show to Nineveh, he's already showing it to these people right here, right? God dem- demonstrated his sovereignty over creation when he whipped up that storm, right? It, it, was, it was a calm day. It was a day when these sailors said, hey, let's go ahead and go from point A to point, v, point B. It's safe. There's, there's no harm going to come to us if we go ahead and set sail today. Come on. They took on paying customers. You know, they, they took wares into their ship as they left harbor. They went out into the, into the sea knowing it was going to be fine. These were experienced men, and they knew it was going to be fine. Little did they know that there is a God who controls the sea, right? So he demonstrated cre- his sovereignty over creation. He sends the storm out there to, to get a hold of Jonah, uh, Not only did the storm miraculously hit the boat, but the storm miraculously ceased her raging as soon as Jonah hit the water. You know, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, God has the power to just peace, be still over that raging sea. And he can do that in our hearts too, right? And, And he did that. He brought peace to these merchants. You know, they knew that they can count on God. Even though they just met him, they knew that they can ask him, hey, God. Don't hold it against us, what we're about to do. We're going to do something awful, something that, that's tasteless, in our opinion. It, it's, just, it's unthinkable. We're going to do it because it's the only way that we can. Remember, they, they fought. They resisted this decision. They, they, they tried to save their own lives. But you know what? Safety is of the Lord. Okay? It, it's, it's not something that's in our hands. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So there was no Coast Guard back then, right? So what do we do? I'm thrown into into the sea. It's a raging sea, and then all of a sudden it's calm, right? Now, um, I remember last week I told you guys about VeggieTales, something that's real cute in that, you know, they're real creative. But, uh, you know, hey, you know, the sea stopped, so let's go ahead and rescue Jonah now. (laughs) Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that that's what happened. You know, that, that's all just, you know, creative writing. But anyway, the sea ceased to raging, and here's this guy in the water, and the merchants are like, bye. You know, and they, they continued on. You know, they continued on. Um, they weren't about to try and rescue him. Rescue him. Uh, but anyway, this great fish comes out. You know, there, there was nobody going to rescue him. God rescued him. But it's not the type of rescue that, that he would have liked. You know, the type of rescue that you want is something that's going to keep you above water, something that's going to allow you to have fresh air, something that you can hold on to, that you, you get to see what's happening. But no, he went into the darkness of the belly of the whale and then into the depth of the sea. All right. And so uh, that was, again, an act of loving kindness of our Lord. Jonah didn't deserve that. He did not deserve that. I mean, open rebellion against God. When his sin was so bad that these people's lives were, were, were jeopardized, you know, and, and God still showed mercy on him, showed kindness to him and said, I'll go ahead and rescue you from that. I'll go ahead and rescue you from that. And I'll use, the, I'll use this situation as a picture of what, what my own son is going to experience someday. And, and, and that's what Jesus referenced in, in, in Matthew, you know, as Jonah was in belly of the whale for three days, you know. Um, so anyhow, there's, there's a story, speaking of Jonah being in, in the belly of the whale, there's a story about a kid who, who's drawing in school. You know, it's, it's art time, public school. You know, it's, it's, it's art time. This little girl is drawing. 
And uh, the teacher walks by and she sees what the kid is drawing and and it looks like a a scary scene. There's this person sinking into the sea and there's a huge whale with his mouth opened up, ready to swallow this person sinking into the sea. And the teacher, what are you drawing there? And the kid goes, oh, I'm drawing the, the story of Jonah and the whale. The whale is about to swallow Jonah. And then the, the teacher, you know, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being, even though they're huge. I mean, their, their throats, it, it really, it's possible for a human to get caught in the throat of a whale. And then the, that whale would choke, you know. A whale wouldn't try to some, swallow something as big as a person. And the little girl goes, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah about it. So the teacher not a believer, very smugly says to the kid, and what if Jonah went to hell? So the little girl goes, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> so anyway, the, the Old Testament's label of fish in, in, in this chapter, um, this has been a point of contention, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm bringing up the unbeliever with, with that little story because this has been a point of contention. There have been atheists who go, oh, well, you know, your Bible is, is full of contradictions. And here's a contradiction. In the Old Testament, the book of Jonah, it says that he was swallowed by a great fish. But in the New Testament, God himself said that it was a whale. So which is it? And, you know, your regular believer who isn't digging into Scripture and, and studying these things out is like, I don't know. I don't, know, I don't know what to say in response to that. You know, maybe, it, maybe it's just that it doesn't matter. And they're like, maybe it's just that your Bible is a fable. You know, and, and there are people who encounter these situations, these apparent contradictions, and, and they don't know how to handle it. So let me go ahead and tell you guys a little bit. Ancient Hebrew and Greek terms for aquatic creatures. These are ancient terms. Now, when you think about science and the evolution of science, modern-day scientists, every time they make a discovery, they, I mean, fish. Do fish exist? Yes. If I discover a new type of fish, am I going to call it a fish? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, you know, this is what kind of fish is it? You, you know? I mean, what if I discover a trout that's not like any of the trout that we have in existence today? I'm going to go ahead and be creative I don't, because I want that scientific acknowledgement. I'm going to go ahead and say, oh, this is a such and such type of trout. And yet the common name is going to be called Carlos trout. You know, and, and, and that's just how it is, right? That, that's just the way it is. And, and, and so as, as science progressed, we came up with different words for it. But in Hebrew, in the book of Jonah, the word dag can be translated, can, it has been used in, in, in writing, it's been used to refer to any large sea creature, any large sea creature, including fish or whales, okay, any of them. Your, your, your swimming dinosaurs could be called dag, okay? So this is just the word that was used, and it was translated into English by men, right? The word that they, they chose to translate it into is the word fish, but then the Greek word in, in Matthew, that Greek word is ketos. That word can also be used for whales or large fish, sea monsters. And if you're familiar with, with uh, ancient Greek literature, there were lots of stories about sea monsters. And that word ketos was used. And yet Jesus used the word ketos that the Bible translators translators uh, translated into the word whale, okay? So you need to always remember that, that uh, the, tra- the, the original manuscripts, okay, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and the original manuscripts are inspired by God. But the translations aren't inspired by God. Again, that's another thing that's going to be controversial. There are some people who say, no, the translations are also inspired. I'm, we're not going to argue about that tonight. We're not even going to talk about that tonight. Um, just don't get hung up on, on words. You need to remember the cultural situation. The people of that era who read in the original manuscript those original words, this word that describes some living thing in the sea that swallowed a man, 
That's what we need. That's our takeaway. Okay, that's our takeaway. Um, the book of Jonah is is talking about you know th- these miracles of God, about God's mercy, uh, about God's deliverance, about God's kindness, about God's lo- long suffering. It's not a book about marine biology. Okay, so so don't get hung up on that. Ne- never let that be something that trips you up. Okay, God performed a miracle. He was in the belly of a creature, a fish, a whale. He was in the belly of a living creature for three days, and he didn't die. And that's pretty powerful. That right there is miraculous in, its, in itself. You know, instead of dying in the sea by drow- drowning, he was rescued by an animal that swallowed him up. It swallowed him up not in a desire to feed itself, but because God sent it to save Jonah from the sea. And for three days, that animal had to deal with this man in its gut. Oh, if you've ever eaten something that didn't agree with you, imagine how that fish felt, felt like. So uh, Jonah, while he was in the belly of the fish, he came to the realization that God is 100% in control. Okay, and so there's, there's something that we can take away from that. Okay, now a prophet of God, a prophet of God should already know that God's 100% in control. He shouldn't need a storm to get his attention. He shouldn't need a sea creature to swallow him in order to get his attention. And we as believers who have these stories written out for us in such an easy to understand way, we have pastors and teachers, we have YouTube videos and, and, and you know, cassette tapes and CDs and MP3s of sermons from people before who've studied this stuff to help us understand the will of God, to understand the goodness of God, to understand the might of God. So we shouldn't need for anything terrible like what happened to Jonah to happen to us either. We shouldn't need God to have to get a hold of us in some supernatural way, right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't ever be in, in this type of situation that Jonah was in. Jonah chapter 2. We're now in Jonah chapter 2. This is his prayer. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and use my notes where I copied and pasted uh, the prayer because I, I inserted in, in, in between verses, okay? So I'm, I'm now moving aside from that. So forgive me for that as we continue on. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. In verse 1, it's, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So right there we see, finally, finally this guy has finally decided that he's going to go ahead and submit. Finally, he's redirected his attention. You know, I'm not in charge. My rebellion has come to an end. And he prays to God. Okay, and this is good news for us. See, this teaches us that God can hear our prayer no matter what our circumstances are. Okay? Okay. no matter how fallen we are. And, and think about the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament, okay? No matter how, how far away we've gotten from God, God will receive us back. God will hear our prayer. Jonah offered a prayer from within the belly of a whale, and God heard him. So we're never going to be in a situation where if we're, if we're willing to humble ourselves, we're never going to be in a situation where God's not going to hear our prayer. If we'll just humble ourselves and we'll be repentant and offer that prayer to the Lord, it will not be ignored by our merciful Father. Okay? And that concept is repeated all throughout Scripture. Okay? God looks with favor on the penitent prayer. Verse 2 so he, he, he lifted up his prayer, his prayer, he lifted up his voice in prayer, and he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep. Who cast him into the deep? Yeah, was it the sailors? This was all part of God's plan. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. So he's pouring his heart out to God, and this is 
rather eloquent prayer, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't know about you guys. My prayers aren't so flowery. Um, God, it's hard. It's difficult. Help me. You know, that, that's me. Those are my prayers. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, he, he, the, the Lord hears our prayers, whether, whether they're flowery and, and eloquent and, and the well-thought-out prayer of a pastor or the, the, the prayer, the simple prayer of, you know, people like us who are just, just regular church members, okay? He, he, he hears us. When Jonah said that he cried out from the belly of hell, he's, he's communicating how hopeless his situation is, right? This is a hopeless situation. He's swallowed by an animal, right? He has no guarantee that he's not going to be digested. There's no guarantee. But as we take a look at the rest of those verses, he says, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. He's in digestive juices. And he says, yet you brought me up. He brought up my life from corruption. I, I mean, God, you saved me. If, if I were to say that while I'm in, a, I'm in a pot of boiling over and I'm saying, you saved me. Wouldn't that be a little weird? But that's what he's saying. That is the situation he's in. He's currently being digested, and he's saying, you saved me. Kind of like when Abraham offered up Isaac. You know, I, I mean, the situation is dire. There, how do we recover from this? And yet, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. He barely started the prayer, and he declares, and you heard my voice. And he's not even done praying. And you heard my voice. I mean, as far as, as, far as Jonah knows, what, what he knows about God is, it's settled. The Almighty has heard my prayer, even when my prayer isn't even finished yet. Jonah has this renewed commitment to the Lord, and, and it's pretty powerful, and it's something that we can learn. Jonah, uh, here's our prayers and when I read Jonah's prayer, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, the Psalms. As you, as you read through the Psalms, there are times where uh, you read a Psalm and you think, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> you know, I mean, here, here's somebody who is in such despair. And if you're in a good mood, as, you know, because we should open our Bible whether we're, whether we're in a good mood or, or we're down in the dumps, right? And so there are times that you're in a good mood and you open up to the Psalms and you're like, whoa, the psalmist was was having a bad day. But then there are times when you're having a bad day and you read that exact same psalm. And that's why we read it over and over and over, you guys. Even though you've read through the Bible already, you continue to do so. Every day of your life, for the rest of your life, you continue to read it because it's going to speak to you differently depending on your situation. And so there are other times when you're having a bad day and you read a psalm. And what before was like, man, Debbie Downer, now, all of a sudden, you read that same psalm and you go, I needed that. There's somebody who understands my situation. And God captured it. And this was written just for me. Psalm chapter 18, verses 4 through 6 says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. And it sounds familiar, huh? Uh, Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive, attentive to the voice of my supplications. Something that, that I see when I see Jonah's spirit, his uh, contrite heart, and, and these psalms that seem to go along with it, something that I, I, I see is our heart condition is a big deal to God. Okay. He, he looks on the heart, right? And he knows whether or not we're putting on a show. He knows whether or not we are in a genuine act of contrition asking him to forgive us. Or we're just giving him lip service. Oh, well, 
Look at that, Lord, I did it again. Please forgive me. Amen. And we move along our, about our day knowing full well that like a dog returning to its vomit, we're going to go back to that same sin again. You know, he sees our heart. He knows. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 or 7 is a good passage to help us out. With that, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous, uh, and, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So you see, Jonah acknowledged that God is righteous in the way he's correcting Jonah. God is righteous in the way he's dealing with Jonah. And the righteous God expects contrition from the people who rebel against him. And Jonah is demonstrating sincere repentance. God, I messed up. God, I deserve this. God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to deliver me. And look, in the same way that I knew you were going to deliver the people of Nineveh, once they hear the message, I know that you're going to forgive me and you're going to deliver me because as far as you're concerned, my prayer is already heard. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's pretty neat. And the way God operated back then is the way God operates today when it comes to the prayers of his people. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. You know, there are times when we give up, and obviously Jonah had to give up at this point. You know, he, he thought that he had control when he said, nope, I resign. I'm not going to deliver that message. I'm no longer going to be a prophet. I resign from the ministry. I'm going to go and, and retire. He thought that he was in control of his fate. When he went and chartered a boat, Went out and said, hey, anybody going far from here? I just need a boat that's going far from here. Okay. And they're like, yeah, we are. He's like, okay. You got room for a passenger? Yep. All right. Sign me up. Here's my fare. He goes on board. He goes to sleep. You know, I'm in control of my situation. I'm the master of my destiny. All of a sudden, God showed him in a very powerful way. You're in control of absolutely nothing. You are in control of nothing, right? And so he gave up, and there are times in in our own lives when we give up, whether it's because we're going through a hard time, maybe it's a time that maybe maybe it's a period of our life when when we're personally rebelling against God, you know. And and sometimes we live in rebellion against God, and and we we don't really consider it to be rebellion because our sin is is oh it's a light thing it's one of those little sins, you know. It's one of the little sins that, that Christianity today has, has just chosen to accept. Oh, it's a little thing to walk in bitterness against my brother or my sister. It's a little thing to walk in unforgiveness. It's a little thing to tell white lies. It's a little thing to not pray for my fellow saints. It's a little thing to not participate in global evangelization. It's a little thing to withhold God's money from him. These are all things that are no big deal. I'm going to go ahead and continue to do it. And God eventually says, you know what? I'm done fighting with you. And he just brings on a situation where we're like, whoa, I've been rebelling against God. I give up. <laughs> and then all of a sudden our soul faints within us, kind of like Joel, uh, Jonah's uh, soul fainted within him. We get into those situations, it, it, it seems like it's such despair. And, and in those moments, we, if we fix our eyes on God, everything can turn around. All of a sudden, light can shine on your situation. You know, God can bring peace to our heart. God can comfort us even in a time where he's spanking us. You know? Now, I've never experienced it where I can discipline my kids. I can, I can punish them and then comfort them. And they'd be like, yeah, this is all okay. Usually for me, you know, they, I need to give them some space and then come back and, and restore that fellowship. But God, he can be holding us down. And we go, okay, God, I give up. And he says, okay, are we okay? You know, I love you. I love you, and I'm going to take care of you if you'll just trust in my plan. The whole while that he's, he's getting our attention, he's comforting us. He's giving us assurance that his plan is the right way to go. 
right? God is a good God, and we can trust him. You know, if Jonah was willing to trust God from within the digestive tract of a sea creature, then we can go ahead and trust God in our circumstances too. Okay, so verse 8, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. We kind of addressed this already. Jonah, when he aborted that ship, he was trusting in lying, lying vanities. So whether you're trusting in your own power, you're trusting in your government, you're trusting in uh, an idol, you know, idol worship was a big deal uh, for the people of Israel in, in this time frame. You know, no matter what it is that you're trusting in, if you're trusting in something other than God, then it's a lying vanity. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. There's something that you're forfeiting. You are forfeiting God's mercy on your life. You're forfeiting peace when you choose to trust in anything other than God. So from within the belly of the well, Jonah's Jonah's teaching us a pretty good lesson here. And uh, so anyway, um, moving on to to verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So this is the final line of Jonah's uh, uh, prayer, and it's, it's a powerful line. Take a look at what we have contained in this thing. You know, sacrificing unto the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving. Our voice, our praise to God is a sacrifice to him. Okay? We're supposed to give thanks always. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. I'm going to sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. You know, when we offer thanksgiving, and when, when Jonah said this, he's communicating to God, I intend to live a life of praise and thanksgiving. That's the life that I'm going to live. It's, it's what you deserve from me. You deserve no less from me. I can't believe that I ran from you. You deserve so much more. You've been so good to my people. You were good to those sailors. And look at how good you are to me right now. And I am going to do better from now on. Again, that, that sounds like Jonah already knows that he's going to be delivered from this situation, doesn't it? I'm going to do better. You know, I'm going to do better. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, God deserves that from us today, for us to tell people about how, God, how good God is. Yeah. You know, he deserves for us to, to tell that to everybody that we encounter. You know, how are you doing? You know, God's still on the throne. You know, God is good all the time. You know, I hope that you guys never get tired of hearing that. And I hope that you never get tired of saying that. And I hope that you never get me included. Okay, you remember I said, we learned. I'm on this learning journey too, you know. I hope that we never get to that situation where um, we're like, eh, you know, that's, that's so trite. You know, that's, that's such a cliche. God is good. God forgive us if we ever feel like that, okay? Because God is good, and he deserves for us. He deserves to have us saying that over and over and over again to everybody we, we encounter. Okay. Um, and, and remember, when he said that he's going to pay that, that he has vowed. So there, there, there is something that he had originally said at one point in his life. God, I will obey the calling that you have on my life. We learned that Jonah used to be a prophet. Jonah was used by God at one point in his life. And he's saying, I'm going to pay that that I have vowed. I'm going to return to a life of obedience. I'm going to resume the mission that you, that you put me on, whatever that mission is. I said that I'm going to follow you. I said that I'm going to obey you. And I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, then he said, salvation is of the Lord. There is no hope in anything other than God. Salvation is of, of the Lord. You know, a good soul-winning passage is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And out of the mouths of babes. Listen, uh, not calling you a child, by the way. It's just that you're younger than me, okay? Uh, <laughs> Commit that, commit that passage to memory, folks. Commit that passage to memory, okay? 
Because there will be times in our lives when we think, look at what they're doing. And we might look at, look at somebody with disapproval. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not by your good works. Not by anything mighty that you did. Not by any wonderful achievement that you can brag about. You are saved by the mercy of God. Right? By the grace of God. So we need to remember that. Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, you know, usually a sea creature this large is going to stay in the water. You know, the sea creatures that we're familiar with today that go back and forth between the water are usually small, like crabs. You know, they're a little mud hopper type fish that can come back and forth. You know, you have your amphibious creatures. But usually something that's large enough to swallow a man out in the depths of the sea, usually a creature like that isn't going to come onto the shore to vomit somebody out on dry land. So this creature is pretty obedient <laughs> to, the point, to the point of death. And I really hope that it didn't lose its life for the sake of this wayward prophet. You know, I really hope that after it did its job, after it delivered him to his destination, that it was able to go back into the ocean. But this right here is another, another miracle of God. The fact that this thing came onto the, onto the shore and delivered Jonah safely after three days in the belly of the whale, poof, he was delivered on dry land. What a miracle. Okay. And it's pretty awesome that it did that so that way Jonah can carry out his mission. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and com- complete my vows. Any vow that I've made, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so this rebellious prophet sees again. You know, he saw God's goodness on the sailors, and now he sees obedience of a fish, you know. And now this prophet can go ahead and follow that fish's example and obey God as he carries the message to Nineveh. So anyway, last week we learned from Jonah's backstory that he had previously delivered messages of mercy and and graciousness to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Tonight we took a look at at, um, the remainder of chapter 1. We look at Jonah's prayer. We see God's mercy and God's graciousness bestowed on the sailors, bestowed on Jonah, bestowed on us in all generations, right? We see God's sovereignty over God's creation with the storm, with the way the, the animal deviated from its own nature, going against its, its own well-being to swallow that man and then deliver him onto dry land. God has sovereignty, sovereignty over all creation. And the God who performed those miracles back then is still in the business of performing miracles today. There are going to be times when we encounter situations that seem so dire that there's no way out of it. Remember that the master of the sea can calm the waves. He can perform Simple miracles, too. You know, little, little things that were like, God, these medical bills. You know, I, I, you guys, I, I remember one time that this, this medical bill hit us. You, you know how insurance, the, the preferred providers in an insurance plan, they're supposed to accept the decision of the insurance company, right? So they have their, their schedule of, of, of what the fee is going to be for a procedure, and they bill it to the insurance company, but the insurance company already has their, their plan. Have you ever looked at your statement, your, your explanation of benefits, and, and you see the bill that went to the insurance, and then the insurance is like, now nah, we're not going to pay you that. We're going to pay you this. And, and then you go, wow, thank God for insurance. You know, I'm so, so thankful that I have insurance. Otherwise, that bill would have come to me. Well, there was one time that even though I had insurance, a bill came to me. I was getting sued by my doctor because the insurance said, yeah, we previously approved this. We changed our mind. And I got hit with a $20,000 bill. And there was no way I was going to be able to pay that. You know, we, we were begging God for mercy. And another insurance company, another insurance company that we got after the surgery even took place. So... so <laughs> understand. I, 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 had, I had surgery in 2008, and I only had uh, uh, this one insurance in 2008. And then, like, I get hit with this bill later. Between the time of the surgery and the time I got that bill, I had a new insurance plan as well, so now I was double covered. 
when they, they wouldn't take it. And so Carmi appealed to our new plan. Now, why, why would they ever agree to pay something that happened when I wasn't even covered by them? There's no, there's no reason in the world why they should do that, right? They did it. Praise God. You know, the, the, the heart of the king is in the hands of God, you know. And, and, and you know, he, he, can, he can deliver you from any situation, okay? So um, we saw God's sovereignty. And then we saw the revival of a man who was so far from God that he ended up inside the digestive tract of a sea creature. You know, this man would rather die than share a message from God. Remember, when they cast him over, you know, he could have said, you know what, you guys, this is happening because of me, because I'm running from God. I'm going to go ahead and repent. I'm going to go ahead and repent. I'm going to go ahead and make things right with God. He'll take the storm away, but you need to bring me back. You need to bring me back to the to shore so that way I can continue on my mission. Okay, and then everything will be okay. No, no. He's like, throw me overboard and everything will be okay for you. He would rather die than, than, than show kindness to somebody. Sometimes that's us, okay? The revival in Jonah is an incredible example of how God can work in the heart of anybody, of anybody, and how God can renew a right heart in anybody, so long as they want it, so long as they want it, you know. And if, if there's anybody here tonight who's maybe dealing with some hardness in their own heart, remember the psalmist David, what he wrote in Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This was a gen- genuine plea from David, asking God to change his heart, Okay. There are times when we recognize, you know, God, I'm, I'm backslidden. And right now, I, I talked to a Christian one time. He was backslidden, and he told me, brother, I know. Because I've been serving the Lord so long, before I backslid, I know the things that God has done to get attention from his wayward children. I know that God could choose to take the lives of one of my, one of my kids. I know that. Intellectually, I know that. But in my heart, there's no desire to repent. In my heart, there's no desire to walk with God. There's no desire to, to, to get right with him. If you recognize that condition, you can pray this prayer where you ask him to change your heart. You know, ask him, God, create in me a clean heart. Okay. You need to do something because right now I'm not even capable of changing my attitude. So I hope that there's nobody here who's living in that situation tonight. But we see here that God can change anything. He can change nature. He can change our hearts, right? So the passages that we looked at tonight are a good reminder that we serve a powerful God. We serve a merciful God. And, uh, you know, we, we can, if we're not experiencing victories in our walk with God, we can go back to victorious Christian living. As long as we choose that, as long as, as long as we desire that, if we just ask him to restore that relationship with us. Okay, so next week, what we're going to look at, Nineveh's response to Jonah's sermon. Nineveh, Nineveh's response to Jonah's sermon. He said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, from the original language translated into, into our language, you know, that's yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But in his language, it's just a five-word message, just a five-word message. And we'll go ahead and take a look at that, not next week, but the next time that we continue this. If you guys remember, next week, we're going to be in the middle of a revival. Okay, so anyway, I love you, and you are dismissed. Let's pray.